Hello and welcome to the OMG Movie Podcast, where your MGs, Michael and Matthew, review and discuss the best movies from each year to crown the overall most great movie. Join us as we debate and rate how well movies accomplish their goals, provide memorable moments, and leave lasting legacy. Oh my god. 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 I call them the OMG. Oh my god. 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 Hello and welcome back to another OMG podcast. I am one of your hosts, Matthew, and with me as always is the other MG, Michael. How are you doing today, Michael? I'm feeling a bit melancholy uh, today. I, I don't know. I don't know what uh, the viewing of this movie has has uh, really got me in turmoil. So well, I think that's what I'm feeling right now. I do appreciate the blue suit that you decided yeah. to wear today. That's, that's very thematically on point. I appreciate well, it. Well, it's, you know, I, I went out, I bought it. It's the only thing I own. So I'm wearing it every day, you know, and it makes an impression. The, the ladies seem to like it. Yeah. And I've been practicing my, uh, my little piano skills or harmonium mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. I've come to learn that those exist. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Uh, well, I mean, to not to not bury our our movie title any any deeper into the episode, we will be watching. We have watched uh-huh. Punch Drunk Love. Paul Thomas Anderson, Adam Sandler. I'll say it, classic. <laughs> You'll say it. You'll be the I'll only one it. who says it. <laughs> uh, it's a uh, it's a clean. Well, let's talk about Tale of the Tape before we get too deep into uh, our discussions revolving around this movie. Um, what is mm-hmm. punk drunk, punk drunk love, Michael? What's the, what's the in a nutshell plot? Who's in it? Give us the details. Well, in a, in a MG patented, very long one sentence, Barry Egan lives a private and socially isolated life that is forced open when he meets two women and discovers a unique money-making opportunity. That is the MG tail of the tape for Punch Junk Love. That is a very small nutshell that you've tried to fit everything into. I mean, you gotta, you gotta try and get in, like, you know, what's on the back of the box? What are you, what are you gonna tell a friend that's gonna like hook them in a little bit? And it's usually you'll hear the, you know, the actor, maybe a director who's in it, and then yeah, what's the interesting thing that you could throw out without ruining any potentially surprises? Okay, so who are who are our leads in this movie? Uh, well, you mentioned Adam Sandler. He's by far the, the biggest name, the Emily Watson. And then you got the main sister, uh, played by Marilyn Raskub of 24 and Arrested Development fame. Also, It's Always Sunny. She's you know, uh-huh. she's a good bit player. And then the she late great around. Philip Seymour Hoffman. She does get around. You know, Gail the Snail can get around. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you got obviously Philip Seymour Hoffman in there. Luis Guzman is, is I mean, around. It, at that point, like it, the, if this was like filmed now, it would be like a cameo. 
So like, I don't even know if you can call that like he's in the movie. He's got like four speaking moments in the movie. But yeah, it's, I mean, he's the next highest build person, I would say. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not a ton of characters involved in the recipe no. of this movie, but the ones that are here, I think, are identifiable. There's no, like, this isn't the first role of anybody in this movie. This is Adam Sandler's first, like, dramatic lead uh, opportunity, though. This is his out the gate getting a pretty meaty role where it's all on his back to, to, to sell the main character, sell the love interest. He's having to do a lot. Um, and again, this is his first foray into being more than just, you know, Adam Sandler and, and various states of man childness in a comedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think we're going to wait till we get to the actual spoiler zone. Um, but this is a movie similar to movies in our past few years where I'm going to need to basically have you explain to me what it is you like about this movie. Because I ha- I walk away from this. This is hopefully an indication for anybody who's a longtime listener. I walk away with this almost with as many questions as I do with Donnie Darko. I am baffled by what I am watching at every single turn. And we, you know, going back to the tail tape real fast, this is a, it is a brief movie. So that is, that is something that is in its, in its corner is it is a, you know, a very quick lean 95 minutes. Right. And so that That's means it only done, has to really, yeah. Done expertly. Well, the 90 minute time, <laughs> this is like, if I were, if someone's like coming to me, it's like, how do you make a movie that has, you know, a lot of elements to it in a 90 minute format. And I would just point to this movie and say, that's how it's done. This is how a clean 90 is formatted without any bloat, without, without any sacrifices of storytelling. This was expertly crafted clean 90. Sorry, go ahead. We'll, we'll, we'll get into the expertly. It was definitely crafted. Uh, yes. Uh, and then, so because of the of the ninety minute time frame, it really is only trying to accomplish three main things. And the thing I boil it down to is this is a romance movie, it is a drama movie, and I this is where I think the debate comes in is do you label this a comedy or not? I do not. There oh. is incredibly low amounts of qu- a comedy, <laughs> and the comedy is more of observation i i i mean we'll, we'll have to get into where where you think the comedy is other than the use of profanity those scenes are comedic like but it's not a comedic movie it is much more a thriller <sighs> movie hey i i, I, you, I will argue with me. a comedy there this was is... more devoted to crime than <sighs> anything that was purposely made to make you laugh the Absolutely. crime itself was funny. Everything I'm <laughs> No, it was not is... played off for laughs oh, at all. Get out not of for town. a moment is this played off for laughs. Well, not for a moment. This not is for a purposefully moment. a comedy movie. It's built, pitched, and executed as a comedy movie. What do you mean not a moment? That's no. silly. We'll, that's, uh, that's we'll you get checking into out, checking no, out early. I've watched this twice in the last eight oh. hours to make sure I was not missing anything. And... All I can say is I want both views back. Unbelievable. This is no spoilers. I'm not going to get into anything specific. This is a MG patented 
fancy garbage. Wow. Someone else loves this movie. I will be happily never watch this movie again. <sighs> there is not a component of this that to me survives where 20 years now, anybody needs to go back and watch this. There's better movies in every single category that this thing's trying to do. Unbelievably, unbe- unbelievable. I thought this mm. was going to be like an M for you. You'd be like, no, I like it. I like aspects of it, but it's too like artsy film house for me. Like I get that kind of critique of it, but this is without a doubt in my mind, mm-hmm. one of the best movies um, we've seen as a podcast. This oh is a Where surprise. This is this is uh, was a surprise as I was watching it because I get maybe this is something other listeners will have who have not seen this movie recently. I get aspects of this movie in like Spanglish thrown together, so I didn't really know what to what I was getting into with the movie, but it won me over early and it won me over often. I thought that the themes of it were extremely relevant. The isolation, the anxiety, the depression, the use of sound, the cinematography, the acting, the humor and dialogue, and the show-me-don't-tell-me stuff was just through the roof. This movie was a PTA classic. I put this in like a top, easily a top five, maybe a top three. I think it's near a licorice pizza, which came out last year that I loved. Um, it's an irreverent comedy. It's just so it's such a carefree, fun adventure to go on. It's got action. It's got it's got a lot of intrigue, and it's something carefree. that's not predictable. Absolutely, I, we will come back to that word a lot. We're gonna we'll go. We'll come back to all those words because we're gonna show you why it fits. Why all those words are apt to describe this movie. Um, but that's all to say, I give this a pretty firm O. I would put this, you know. I'm not saying exactly where in the range, but it's definitely an O for me. Um, I'm excited to get into it. I think this is going to be clearly one where we get a G against an O. We're going to have some differing takes. Yeah, yeah. I I, I can't wait. Like uh, literally, I I I, I I'm not going to try and come at this as a negative experience. I legit want to experience this movie through your eyes because to me, this is not a movie. This is. <laughs> An experiment. It is. It is. It is an art. It is. Go. Go to a museum. Watch this for an hour and a half, and then discuss it. It is not a movie. It is wow. not entertaining at all. Wow. Nothing pays off. It. Like, it is just an experience in creating a mood, an atmosphere. Those elements, the anxiety that the movie tries to produce, which is I'm like I, this is nowhere near carefree. This movie is actively trying to make you feel anxious and it does deliver it trying to make you feel anxious like the main character so you can kind of feel like what it's like to have nothing but noise coming at you and you have to release it like i get all of that but i wish the story mattered i wish i cared about any of these characters and i just flat don't not even a little bit well, yeah, I mean, uh, we'll get into the movie here in a second. So this will be your your breaking point if you wanted to stop, watch, and, mm-hmm. and come back and, and get some spoiler action thrown your way. Um, but, yeah, I think there is a definite style of movie to where some people don't like and some people do. And this is one that doesn't play down the middle. Like, it's picking a side, and it's going into, I think, a much more interpretive, unreliable narrator type of 
um, structure than is typical in a, in a rom-com. It's almost like a deconstructed romantic comedy from the perspective of someone experiencing extreme depression and anxiety, which isn't what you get in your typical carefree romantic comedy where two lovebirds find each other and get through all these like hijinks together, which the movie gives you, but it gives you it in an atypical format, which comes across to me at least as very fresh, very new, original, and isn't your dime a dozen people end up are at the beginning lonely and, and, and detached and at the end find sol find uh, meaning in life and love and attachment, all those kinds of things where it's your traditional arc, but I thought a very, a very fun knee way of getting there by crafting these characters and, and making them flawed and having them have a lot of eccentricities about their characters that I think, again, are fun for people to watch a, a movie and experience emotions that aren't typical in a romantic comedy. Yeah. I guess I, 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 I under, this is where I, this is why I like to coin that term in the fancy garbage is I can understand where someone can get a really big attachment or they, uh, whatever they, they, they bring things to the world of the movie and it connects them more. I, you know, I think of Donnie Darko. I think there's definitely people who have that as an O and I think it's fancy garbage. Pleasantville, I think is fancy garbage. Um, I'm trying to think of um, Royal Tenenbaums. Basically, yeah. if it's got the name Anderson as a director, it's probably not in my vein because it they it's too much of on the nose metaphor and characters who are way too broad to actually be understandable. Like I like my first overarching question. You mentioned that Adam Sandler's character Barry has depression. I read this as this is mental illness. This man has, if not like full on like Asperger's, you know, um, he, he, there, there is something more than just depression, but the movie is so vague about that. I honestly don't know. It could just be a deep depression, but the way that they, the, the things that happen during the movie make it much more this person has like an actual, you know, diagnosable mental illness. Yeah. I mean, that's a way of reading the character. Um, I don't think that's incorrect. I don't think this person's like a completely level-headed um, like character study, but I do think that there's intent behind crafting him to be someone who's isolated and the musical choices behind a lot of the, um, the main scenes, and especially when we get later on in the movie and we and we get a lot of varying aspects of the side plots all meeting together at the same point, um, we'll get a lot of the the idea of a, of anxiety and depression communicated through sound and visuals. But let's start at the beginning of the movie, right? Because you're upset with the plot. You don't think it's providing you with a plot. So let's start with the beginning of the movie and we'll mm -hmm. just kind of work our way down. Um, so and we have... Adam Sandler's character is set up in L.A., which most of PTA movies are set up in L.A., and he's working out of this like, um, but it's like places where you store shit, storage containers, and he's made into like a uh, an office where he is both storing his his novelty supplies and like, doing his like call center stuff from there as well. 
I, I have so little understanding of, of what's happening. You could tell me that like Luis Guzman and all of them are complete fakes, that they're all part of his imagination. Because in the very opening, he is. He's by himself in a very empty location on a phone talking about the, the pudding pie, the pudding um, <laughs> deal, right? And yeah. we'll talk about that. He, you know, he hears some kind of noise. He walks out. And then, again, does he actually see a car accident or not? Yes. So, I mean, there's, there's aspects of what, what's happening on screen. Is it really happening or not? I, can, I definitely do think there's aspects of this movie that you can interpret and be like, is this in his head or not? The car accident, I think, does happen because there's shrapnel in the street that we can see throughout the day. Um, the piano showing up, I think, also happens. The piano or the har- har- harmonium or whatever mm-hmm. it is, that to me is the most like easily identifiable of the of the like s- symbols in the movie. Like what, what the, that to me is an, comes right with the arrival of Lana the the main love interest and it's the whole movie getting repaired and slowly learned how to be played by adam sandler so see go ahead. that to me is a um symbol of him learning how to love again like accepting love in and learning as he's making himself more vulnerable throughout the movie with the love interest that that's allowing him to gain more confidence and and and, and make himself um more vulnerable to the world again because we see him in the beginning in this scene completely shut off from the outside world he's in that um that little container deep thing where he's in the mm-hmm. very back end corner of the room and that we get that um visual framed of the of the opening shot where he's just like completely in the shadows and he has to move at least like a a full panel length to get outside, which I think again is just symbolically showing how much Adam Sandler's character Barry's retreating inward right now. He's isolated, doesn't want to be outside. It's dangerous. It's loud. It's bright, and that's the feeling we're supposed to begin the movie with: is this character's retreated inside? And and it doesn't do that for me. Uh, all it does is leave me questioning every, every single thing about what what I am being told visually. I I don't know if I can trust, and so everything that I now see for the next twenty minutes, I, I don't know what what should I be understanding. This movie is trying to tell me who is Barry. Am I supposed to think that he's a good guy? Am I supposed to think that he's a bad guy? Am I supposed to like think that he's going to be making any kind of journey? I get that he's isolated. But throughout the movie, they treat his, we'll say either isolation or, or isolation or mental health with varying degrees of severity. Sometimes he's a normal guy who can have a conversation. And other times he, he can't like hold himself to not, you know, make a, make a, a huge emotional outburst. But then that, that's not depression. Like you don't go from like, you know, that's, if anything, it's manic depressive, but that's not what he is. Like, like I, He's this not too, diagnosed. Yeah, man. Well, I, that's I, another I don't know. huge thing about this movie. Uh, <laughs> nobody wants him to get help. It's like everyone is actively like, "Why are you even thinking you need help?" 
Well, no, that was one scene, and she's concerned. We're skipping. I mean, okay. I, I know you have a lot of concerns about this movie. They're going to come yeah. up through uh, every scene, it sounds like. But yes. we need to get some of the plot through here <laughs> before we can start criticizing degrees that happen in the middle of the movie. Oh, um, anyway, so we have the, the piano showing up um, early on in the movie, right before Lana shows up. She's dropping off her car to be worked on by the mechanic who shares that same lot space that Barry's uh, business is operated out of. Um, and you can see like there's like awkwardness on their first encounter. She He agrees to like watch the car for her until the mechanics open, they leave. Uh, and then we get the, the moment where he brings the piano inside of his workspace. Um, I don't want to get into the symbology of like, or the, the, the symbolicness of the truck that drives by and almost like crushes it because that same truck happens, like comes by later when they're during, like, during a date mm -hmm. of theirs. Uh, and he's much more like controlled around it. But anyway, anyway, he brings it back in thing that the piano is now a part of the, of his inner space. Then we get to see what he does for a living. And it seems like he sells novelty accessories of a sort. And we see mostly his plunger, his plunger business where he's selling like plungers with novelty dice on them. Uh, I thought that was pretty fun. I also thought that that was one of the um, earlier sizzle moments when he's talking about the unbreakable ha uh, handle Mm -hmm. It instantly breaks it. It's also a, the scene where they introduce his sisters, which I thought was a pretty funny way of introducing that he has seven sisters as he keeps getting mm -hmm. interrupted in his sales pitch by uh, his sisters confirming he's showing up to dinner. So I'm going to play one of those calls. So that was pretty good. Okay, fine. Then you get to go back to chatting with your precious yeah. customers, you fucking phony, chatty piece of shit. Okay. All right. Yeah, Thank pretty, you. Pretty, pretty. Then we go back to him hawking hand, his uh, his plumber handles to his customer. I, I, kid, explain to me how the sister's relationship to him. I, I guess this this is, I guess, I got to maybe ask a, an overarching question here that I think is going to save us a lot of discussion. Is in what is what is happening in the movie? Is that actually happening in the universe of of Barry, or is this him interpreting what he thinks they're saying? Because if the sisters are actually saying word for word what they're saying, they are absolute pieces of shit, every single one of them. Yeah. But well, if, think... if it's if it's him interpreting them like no normal care of like, hey Barry, I just wanted to see if you're here. And like they're actually separated by 20 minutes, but his brain is moving them in where they all happen back to back. That's a whole different thing. But there's never a moment in this movie where I'm able to understand, am I seeing Barry's understanding of the world and his mind is bunching things together, making things more intense, or is this actually happening? Yeah, Help I think you can you can interpret it both mm, ways. Yep. Yeah, that's a fancy garbage what right there. Is, when you tell, when you tell me, you can't tell me in, like you can't tell me a simple idea of like is what is happening in the movie real or not real. That's a that, that's pretty like no, not you're like not as asking a, that question quiz. that way. You're not asking okay. is what's happening in the movie real or not real. I think you can interpret it multiple ways. I don't think mm. that you can if you read this movie, all of it's happening. Yeah, you could easily say his sisters are just horrible people who are our are, are main culprits to why he's consistently feeling 
anxiety from the outside world because all the feedback he's getting is negative reinforcement. That's a fine way of reading the movie. But I do also agree with you because you are bringing up a point where there Mm -hmm. is an opportunity of subtext to where maybe we are viewing this character's interpretation of the world being more hostile and dangerous than it really is because he himself is projecting the internal turmoil he feels and is projecting that. And that's what we're getting back when we hear outsiders in the movie talking to him. I don't think that's incorrect. Do I think that's what the director is going for? Not necessarily, and definitely not in all aspects of the movie. The movie's not entirely farcical or uh, farcical. It's not like all being crazy. There's some scenes that are more over the top than others that I think, yeah, you can argue maybe there is an artistic degree to this interpretation of the scene. But to disregard a movie's attempt at giving you subtext or reading more into what's actually happening on the screen, I think is kind of a ridiculous thing to say movie shouldn't or can't attempt to do. Come on. No, I'm going to be pretty firm on that one. If, if you can't, if, if you can at least have a coherent argument as to why one is more likely than the other, that to me, I'm good. I'm not saying you, I'm not saying that you can't enjoy the movie. I'm saying for me, that's a pretty blanket statement that it's not going to be an enjoyable movie for me. If I can't understand what, I'm tr- what what the what the people are trying to tell me with this movie, and if I take it as a plot based movie, the plot is not enjoyable. If I take it as a character study of someone going through mental illness, that also is not enjoyable. Or it to me, it is almost like a. Uh, I know you're going to hate this analogy. It treats this kind of mental illness like a beautiful mind treated the other kind of mental illness, where it's like. It's using it as a story mechanic, but not really actually delving into what it would be like to be this character. So and, it's so strange because like that's what I think the movie is giving you. It's like the feeling of being this character where it's like you're not the 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 typical lead in a romantic rom-com is the guy who's charismatic and the guy that can hit on the girl and and has the right appropriate line to tell you. And like to me, you not seeing this as a comedy is striking because so much of the one-liners, the 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 way in which Adam Sandler addresses like things through his absurd his absurd lens, I feel like is some of the the most unique forms of comedy in a romantic in a romantic setting I I can think of. And it's just so strange you like not see the, the or not get the comedic element coming through and only seeing this movie trying to make arguments about mental illness, which I agree there is mental illness in the movie, but like it, I'm not sure how what do you see the plot as even being? I I I really don't know. I mean, I think it's trying to be a, a romance. I would not say romantic comedy, but that's just me. I, I don't think that this there are comedic elements, but under the underpinning of everything is always tension. And to me, yeah. that's not comedy. When when I'm always wondering, is is someone going to jump out the bushes and hit this man with a crowbar? I can't really pause and laugh when there's a awkward statement or two. Like, and that is what I feel this movie is ultimately leaning much more into is the tension and anxiety rather than anything funny. And 
that I think is what it accomplishes the best. Like the sound design of like the amplifying sound, especially when you first go to the party and there's all the sisters and all their extended family. And it's just a cacophony of sound. You can't mm-hmm. even really make out like what is being said is just words and words. And then the sisters start bringing up a weird story about how they used to call him gay when he was, when he was a kid and he got so angry about it great time to bring that up sisters and well, that, yeah yeah and then like I'm, i actually have that scene yeah. so let's play let's play this real quick we were just talking about you all remember right. we used to call you gay boy you'd get all mad what's that we used to call you gay boy remember you'd be fine and then we call you gay boy you just freak out we were calling you gay and you got so mad you threw the hammer through the sliding glass yeah. door you remember i don't remember that yes you do you yeah, and then really right after that, we get to the the culmination of him being teased basically by his sisters, and mm-hmm. we get him breaking some glass. Let's play that. What the fuck is your problem? Fucking retard, Barry. And this, like, again, this is something I'm not a, I'm not like a psychiatrist. I'm not therapy. I don't know how to diagnose, like, what mm. sort of uh, mental breakdown this, this could be. But I, the, the idea of, like, the um, him breaking things, like, with a hammer as a kid, like, that comes up another time, like, during a date later on that causes him to have a meltdown and, like, break something and, like, that, tear down, like, a bathroom stall or whatever. Um, so it's clearly like this is a moment of trauma that that he's reliving, which causes mm. this like panic attack or some sort of manic episode, which is seems to be like a foundational trauma of this character that we really we don't get much more that it's something to do with him being teased and then breaking something, which is we see we see a couple times in the movie happen. Um, but right after that, which is why. I, this is how the movie kind of, I think, eases tension a lot, where it gives you drama, but it gives it to you in kind of a a funny, atypical way, I'd say. And this is like when, right after breaking the glass, he talks to one of his brothers-in-law, one of his sister's husbands. So we'll play that real quick. I'm sorry about that. Sorry about what I did. Sorry. I wanted to ask you something because you're a doctor, right? Yeah. I don't like myself sometimes. Can you help me? Barry, I'm a dentist. What kind of help do you think I can give you? And this is... um... This is a, uh-huh. I mean, it's <laughs> it's not like it's not funny in a sense like the characters are having a good time. It's funny in a sense that it's like somewhat ironic that the only person in his life that not ironic is sad. The only person in Barry's life that like he can reach out to is a dentist that just saw him have a mental breakdown in his sister's house. Um, then right after that, he talks about how he cries a lot. I also like that scene, uh, but it's like. It's a tender, it's a tender character building that we get here, where we are seeing him at his weakest, and then we slowly see him get better 
with the introduction of the of of Lana, the love interest, which is why you have some stake in rooting for the dynamic early on is you're seeing him get better uh, throughout the movie a little bit. He has relapses, obviously, but I thought that that opening scene, the dynamic of his family, the sisters teasing, teasing and razzing at him makes him kind of a lovable character that you do want to get behind. He's vulnerable. He allows himself to be vulnerable. He's honest and he's a lovable loser who in the next scene, we get even more, of his lovable loserness when he calls the sex worker. Yeah, I, I, we can get we can touch on it later. I do want to get your thoughts on I forget the love interest's name on what what her completely separate deal is. And my personal thought is that she set the small piano there. I think I I feel like this is some kind of elaborate like she basically you know. I don't know, not like what I don't know what the term would be because it's not catfish. That's like when you're you're faking something. <laughs> it's like when you like when you are trying to make so. It's basically it's the, the there's something about Mary. That's what she's doing to him. I think. Well, she kind of did admit to doing some recon on him before dropping off her car. She wanted yeah. to meet him before. I don't I mean it could be. I I don't think the the mini piano is anything more than just like serendipitous in the same way that she's serendipitous. They both came into his life at the same time. Uh, but the phone call sex worker hotline situation. So this is, mm-hmm. I would call side plot a maybe side plot B side plot. A might be healthy choice promo, which, which side plot do we want to get into first? The, the side, the, the healthy, that is probably the biggest letdown of this entire movie is it's a good like it's like, the way he explains it, it's a good you know very very good I like thought extreme you'd love this. i, I thought like, you would love that element of the movie man i like it but like he does like one of the foundational elements is he's supposed to be able to use this to go and travel and then he never actually is able to because he has to wait four to six weeks for it to get processed Aha, hilarious so like he never actually even gets to use any of the the freaking flyer miles in this movie another question i just have is money in general and how it works in this universe but yeah i, I like i like the basic conceit but it's, it's in the movie for four minutes it is subplot d if like, it's just more memorable because that's what the movie was almost sold at was it's, quirky I mean, romantic it's... comedy about coupon cutter I mean, the way you describe, you can describe any premise with that that dry style right there, and it's not going to sound entertaining. But I mean, it's just so funny to me that that you don't like the premise of a character who's who's got like a scheme. He's got like a way oh, I of love it. A hustling, a get some air mic for your air travel miles. He's going through the store. What's the cheapest way of getting these coupons? He lands on pudding. Pudding's a through line of the movie. You think it's going to work out where he can. He can travel to meet the, the girl of his dreams using the airline mileage and it doesn't work out. And like that's a part of him overcoming an obstacle he never would have done without the love interest. That's like one of those things that would have been a deterrent. Would have been, no, I'm going to stay inside. I'm going to stay isolated. My plan didn't work out. And instead he pivots and is like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going anyway. Louis Guzman, Guzman you control the shop. I'm out. Like that's, I don't understand like why that just because the pudding doesn't play off. It doesn't, it doesn't serve a purpose in the movie. Like it certainly does. It certainly makes a, a change in our character's arc 
And it has many of humorous pays off in the middle of the movie where there's all this constant like pudding talk, which is hilarious. I mean, it's just like, I don't know. It's like I'm explaining comedy. It's, it's, it's just like, it's funny because it's pudding. That's all. It's the only reason why that's a joke. It's not a thing. There's not like, is pudding have to do with his mental well being? Like, no, the movie has heavy ideas. Like, it's dealing with depression and anxiety, but it's also super silly. And it's also very, um, easy to forget a lot of these like like components that are maybe beyond like it's not like a super realistic movie so there's some aspects of it that are clearly cinematic and uh, mostly i would say the sex line worker stuff is the more cinematic parts of the movie that are really hard to understand and follow like in a realistic timeline but i don't need that from this movie this movie's not trying to give me like uh, a film noir of a romance thriller. Like this is a, a much more playful view of it. I, I just, I don't, I, the words you're using playful, carefree are words that are like the furthest from my mind. When I think about the viewing of this movie, even the scenes yeah, that you're hell. talking about that are funny. Ev- think about the love ev- scenes. Think about the, the get rid of the, what, the, the, what the love scenes. What, what, what? love scenes? When there's so many good ones, like well, how about when he drops her off at her at her uh, apartment or her, uh-huh. her place or whatever, and they almost kiss at the end of the date. Instead, he like a loser says bye bye, and he mocks himself as he's walking down the room. And this is this yep. right here. And bye bye. And bye bye. Fucking. And bye bye. You stupid motherfucker. Pissed at himself. Why didn't I make the move? I should have done it. That was my moment. He's about to leave. Then all of a sudden, there's a call at the front desk, and it's her. Let's play that real quick. It's me. It's Lena. Hi. I just wanted you to know, wherever you're going or whatever you're doing right now, I want you to know that I wanted to kiss you just then. Really? Yeah. And then there's like a 15 minute second scene where he's like rushing, trying to find her room and he can't. And finally he does. And then you get this awesome like music interlude as they like, open the door and start kissing each other. <laughs> You don't see whimsy. There's no love. Mm. There's no energy in this movie. That's that's not just thriller and unsettling. Come on. No. It, 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 my, I think my issue with with movies, I, I can't say all because I do like some of of the Andersons movies, but these types of movies feel like they were made by an alien who watched romantic comedies and didn't understand what made them funny, but understood the comedic setups, and so. There's a lot of comedic setups, but the way that they're played out, n- for me, none of them hit. They like Wild. the pudding absolutely could have been funny, but the way that they use it is just people asking, "So what's up with the pudding?" and him just saying, "Oh, don't worry about it." Like but- that could be funny. It could be like if you take that and you make it a 30-minute Arrested Development or just a, a you that is a sitcom premise that could have been mined for great gold in here. It is, it, it's a throwaway of just, what are we going to do with this pudding? Just leave it out. Is there, is there a follow-up joke of now we have 20,000 packs of pudding? No, it's just, 
one throwaway of what are we going to do with this pudding? And then people saying, hey, what's with the pudding? Like another part of this is I don't even know if he works at that place with Luis Guzman. I don't know if he's just like welcome to come in when he wants because I don't understand anything about the character. And so I think that is ultimately why I keep struggling to understand, like, what am I hoping for here? Is this man going to secretly kill the, the love interest? Like that, I could absolutely, this could have easily turned into an American psycho the way the first 20 minutes are going. And that to me is unsettling where I, I can't sit back and laugh. I can't enjoy myself because the movie is not giving me any kind of lifeline of what am I supposed to be feeling other than anxious intention. That's how I feel. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I, it's clearly how you feel. I'm, 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 <laughs> I don't really know how to talk about like the scenes of the movie that I think are intentionally giving you those feelings and the ones that are meant to give you the opposite effect. And I, I, it seems like you are nitpicky to the point where it's like, you don't like it to a degree that you're, you're not giving it credit for the execution of what makes it good for other people. I do understand what you're saying where it's like a lot of these things don't make sense to a completed plot to where mm -hmm. we have a character trying to accomplish a mission of collecting coupons and getting airline miles and then flying with his new love interest and getting away from danger that he's caused by calling the sex workers trying to extort him for money. Like that's a, I, I get what you're saying. The plot there is like, why am I watching a guy go through this? But it's not about the details of the, of he's going from a to B. It's like, you're seeing a character slowly work his way through a destructive, isolating existence to allowing life to, to happen to him. And not all of it's good, not all of it's bad, but he's like progressing through it and becoming more vulnerable and allowing himself to form a, 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 a committed attraction and relationship with, with Lena and, and explore life. See, I, I guess a lot of it, I guess, maybe has to do with how you view, like to me, the ending is not positive. Like, I don't think that these two people are any better than they were when they first met each other. They both seem like, if anything, it almost like it feels like they're about ready to go on a serial killing spree when they're having their last hook, you know, hook up and they're talking about, I want to squeeze. Like, I want, like, he's talking about very brutal yeah, things. And all we we're playing this, him we're being playing this brutal. Scene. He's been you nothing are, but you're listening to this scene and you are yeah. thinking literally. This is why you don't like this movie because you're not you're not committing to the weirdness that these two are bonded by. These are not normal people. These are people that don't function well on the normal What's her not conversation. She likes him. She's laughing okay. with his <laughs> I don't know like what kind, you just want this love story to be with like two models who have who are no, imperfect and like love I want each it to other. be like, too Go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry, I'm interrupting. Like, so this is the I have to find it. We've skipped all over this movie because we're now at the very end. Um, but where is this sexy talk? Here we go. <laughs> I wanna bite your cheek and chill it. It's so fucking cute. I'm looking at your face and I just wanna smash it. I just wanna fucking smash it with a sledgehammer and squeeze it. You're so pretty. I wanna 
chew your face and I want to scoop out your eyes and I want to eat them, chew them and suck on them. Okay. That's, you, you listen to that and you're thinking, oh, these people really want to eat each other's eyes and smash each other's heads with a sledgehammer. I will tell you, there's nothing in this movie that would tell me otherwise. How about the fact where five seconds later it says, that's funny, we're being funny. They're just... No, this is... Yeah, well, yeah, it's fine. It's, well, clearly, they're, they're joking. And the, like, the idea of like being newly in love with somebody and like you just want to... You can't even like describe how like intimate you want to be with them. It's like, it's like even with like a cute little dog, sometimes it's like, I want to squish you so hard you explode. Like It's not like I'm a, a mean killer. It's a degree of affection that crosses that boundary of like, oh, like obviously I don't want to like touch your brains, but it's like, I want to like, you know, I want to get close to you is what that means. And it's like silly to even have to describe that as not being literal. But And see, here's where if it was, he's got Asperger's or autism or something, and he sees one of his sisters in a relationship saying that, saying something like that, and he doesn't quite understand how to deliver it. And this is him having the confidence to deliver something that is vulnerable and kind of scary because he maybe he, he might say, you know, I want to smash you with a sledgehammer instead of like, oh my gosh, you're so cute. I just want to pinch your cheeks. I want to eat you up. Like taking it one logical step too far would have made sense if there was something in this movie where there had been like sweet love talk, you know, or, or something that he was trying to emulate or now that he felt comfortable doing. But we've only seen this man commit violence in multiple times violence violence he he smashes the 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 glass doors he he busts down the bathrooms the bathroom he takes a crowbar and but it's I, like I, you're, you're 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 saying things he's done without the context before them like all three of those were triggered by the emotional like him reliving the emotional trauma right after it's being brought up when the very beginning, his sisters are talking about the time where he was being teased. Mm-hmm. And then the dinner before he goes into the restroom and like destroys that Lena brings up that same moment. Mm-hmm. And then he has another meltdown and like there he's being triggered by those things because but like everyone that- has trauma sure. and this movie is trying to get that across. And sure this person's dealing with, more heavy trauma it appears than like your traditional mm-hmm. i was teased and bullied for being fat as a kid like maybe it's something more than that but it's like it's nice to see a character who if he were to say those things like oh i want to beat your head and like and hug your brains or whatever most people are like oh wow you're a crazy psychopath killer get out of here but like no she sees him for who he is he's a kind person who's trying to communicate how much he loves her and she's able to communicate that back to him, making him feel safe. Like that moment, the subtext of that moment are two people making each other's perhaps weird love language feel not weird. And that's what you want when you're in love with somebody is I want to feel like I can be vulnerable and not feel like I'm going to get bullied by you. Like my sisters would. All that, all that's, 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 that's a good explanation of, of where your interpretation is. For me, all I see is someone who, at the, at the blink of an eye, that trauma will come back. 
He's not like there's no thing that's even remotely addressed in terms of his trauma, the triggers. He's going to, if not hurt this lady, he's going to do damage to. I mean, I'm sorry, but like you, you could like that's why I have a hard time of this is a comedy. There's so many comedic moments. It's carefree. I'm like, no, this is about like a man who is. He never hurt anybody. He hasn't touched a person outside of the brothers who tried to attack him. It, the, it, as far as we know, I mean, the reason that the sisters keep bringing that up person. is because he did it with a hammer. They keep to bringing glass. up. Okay. It only, I, how, I mean, that these are what we call warning signs. You don't like, those oh, things don't no. just end. It's not like, Who's oh, well, he just yeah, killed yeah. some cats. Don't worry about it. No, that's it's, a warning sign. Well, cats is different than he, he, he does property damage when he's upset. Like, that's a little bit different. But yeah, I mean, there's nothing about this. I mean, we're doing a terrible job explaining what the movie is or any of the posterizers because I think this, I have so many different posterizer clips of this movie, tons of different sizzles. But I mean, it, it really comes down to like, what type of movie are you watching? Uh, for me, a lot of the sizzles I think are funny. Um, I think there's a lot of, there's a couple sizzle moments especially I think the best scene of this movie, there's like maybe two or three that I would think of be top of the line sizzles. Number one, I think is when Lena and uh, his sister, who's connecting the two of them, Lena and Barry together. That's the Elizabeth, the Mary Lynn, which is good, whatever her name is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, She brings Lena in to Barry's, workplace and um, it's right after the sex worker keeps calling him trying to extort him for money it's as like a lot of business drama is going on with like packing and stuff like that and a lot of it's mm-hmm. like hectic 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 hecticness in the background <laughs> um and it's like a two-minute scene but it does such a good job of showing um the like how you can convey anxiety through sound and it's like all the different elements of the plot are like attacking Barry all at once where he's got his sisters trying to get his attention. Lena's trying to get his attention. The phone keeps going off with the sex worker. You have like the business uh, people trying to unload boxes nearby. It's just like so much activity going around. And um, I think it's like it did such a good job of conveying um, his headspace at the time. And I don't really know if we can play it all because it's so long, but right after that, Lena comes back and it's just them talking and the background is all, of a, is all of a sudden gone. All that music and like the weird sounds, the hecticness that was taking place before is, is silencing as it's just them talking. And I can play that real quick just so you can see the subtle differences here. You can hear it kind of go down as she comes back. Um, I'm going to go and eat tomorrow night. Do you want to go with me? Sure. Do you want to pick me up? Sure. Can I write down my address and phone number for you? Sure. Yeah, so maybe not the best evidence of it, but I mean, this is a lot of that, like their dynamic, you can tell um, from... PTA's um, prerogative. Anytime Sandler's on the screen with his sisters, or the sex worker, or um, 
Uh, I forget he's trying to extort him from the D&D mattress guy, Philip Seymour Hoffman's character, whatever he, he is. Mm-hmm. Tons of sound, tons of energy. Uh, and it, you really get that feeling of, of anxiousness. And anytime she's on the screen, things calm down. And there's a lot less busyness going on, which I thought was a good way of kind of showing and not telling uh, how he's feeling all, all those different times. But I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't really know what else to talk about. We've gone through, I guess, the the plot in a sense, but I mean, clearly we, not, not one that we agree on. I mean, so here's another dividing point is I don't really understand why they just like they decided to make the sex call number and the relationship completely separate. Like I don't like this is this to me felt like and maybe this is just my my inklings or what I like is I like things to be a little bit tighter or have a little bit more not necessarily cause and effect but I like it to feel not completely random and then at the end things for things to like no longer be random and that that doesn't mm-hmm. always it just doesn't work for me but like why not make this instead of a a sex call extortion ring which we'll get into that this is not financially viable um <laughs> um but why not have it be rival coupon people or someone you know or maybe he tells the sex worker something about the the pudding scheme and that's what they're actually after not $500 that we're going to drive all the way to Utah. Yeah, the, the the money amounts on the extortion I was a little confused on because at first it was like she needs $750 for to <laughs> Yeah. And then all of a sudden, like they're, they're, they, they it seem, I'm not sure if they're even their brothers. They were acknowledged as brothers. Yeah. Four of them come down from Utah and they extort him more directly by taking him to the ATM. But I got a sense that they, they wanted access to his credit card. And then because he canceled it, the things escalated from there to were like, all right, you're some like hotshot business guy. And I do like the, where's the scene where she uh, calls Philip Seymour Hoffman. And, and he, he thinks that he's some sort of like wealthy business owner because of through their initial conversation, he made it seem like he's more successful than he is. Yeah. Uh, but this is Philip Seymour Hoffman's um, uh, cut of, of calling him a bad boy businessman. <laughs> Hit him at his house first. See what this little bad boy businessman is all about. Just Yeah, so then they the, the brothers come down, they extort him. Uh, and and that, I think the idea of this is like this ring typically is profitable because they're extorting people that have something to hide and have like ways of getting their tentacles in them. Like, Oh, we'll talk to your girlfriend. Like you'll have to mm-hmm. answer to these like embarrassing uh, crimes. And Barry Egan, Adam Sandler didn't really have those things. So their next line of defense was like, go physically harm him until <laughs> he gives us money. And he just like never had the money that they needed for that type of extortion attempt. Like he, he it's like I gave you five hundred dollars. That's the most I can give you. That's my daily withdrawal max. Right? Yeah. Uh, that 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 whole subplot to me is worth worthless. Other than Philip Seymour Hoffman, he's he's great in everything he does. 
this is just a, I mean, he's basically trying to be like, how can I pull off Samuel L. Jackson with just like the amount of profanity I can throw out in a, a small dose, or I guess modern day Jonah Hill. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, I think that this is another example of the movie. Like it's just, it's there in my opinion to have something else going on in Barry's life. That's causing him anxiety and turmoil and something that needs to happen in order for him to take care of it. Like, what are you going to do that's going to make you not be the whipping boy anymore and, like, start to take control of your life? And that's where we see, again, the movie showing you, like, oh, he's now got the confidence from the relationship with Lena to now he can take on and confront this mess that is going on in his life. And, like, sure, you could take away the sex worker drama and, like, make it be something else. But like, I don't think it being about the sex work or being about the extortion through the, the, the whatever they're even called, they're not sex workers, but like phone operators. Sure. Um, yeah. Like that didn't necessarily, it wasn't like influential to the plot other than it being another thing going on that he's helpless to being able to solve. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess I just, I, I think, and I try and think, like, what is the story? Like, what is this, like, you know, what is the story that's trying to be told here? It's a love to story. Me, like, it's like, it's a, it's a, it's a take on a, 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 it's any, what's any story about a romance? Sure. And like, I, it's, okay, it's then. That, that, that's what I want. I want, if you're, if you're saying that this is a, this is a story about a romance, then to me, this is, this, this, I, I'm firmly with where I stand and that I, this romance is not for me. I, they do not build me enough of characters that I want to root for, that I want to see get together. There's too much else swarming around the romance that I cannot in, in any way, shape or form get bought into the romance. It's like if, you know, Harry met Sally was also trying to talk about, you know, you know, uh, Roe v. Roe v. Wade or something. It's like, that's not the lane that this is supposed to be in. There's, there's too much abstractness for me to be able to understand are these two people actually, do they actually love each other? I, I know that you're going to say, of course, yes, that's what the movie is telling you. And to me, I'm telling you, I couldn't tell you that for one minute. I, she could absolutely, like if we find out that he actually does have $2 million and at the very end, she winks to the camera because now she's going to own her, all of his money. Like, okay, I could see that. Like there's enough in there of clues that maybe she's using him. Like, that would be a, a very interesting play that I don't, I, I maybe, maybe I'm reading way more into it, but everything that I see her do is almost like what you, you know, accepting crazy because there's something in it for you. Like, this is like that subplot where, Oh yeah, I'll, I'll go and marry the, you know, the, the third son that doesn't that doesn't have maybe the intellectual capability as the other ones but i still get to marry into the nice family like uh-huh. that's what i get off of her the entire vibe the entire time yeah I, i'm i i fully believe the 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 romantic um connection between the two of them when we're seeing them together i really i feel like there's not much that's left unsaid with why they like each other but i do agree her character is one we know very little about that we don't get much background into her or what she does or why she's, you know, collided in this point with Barry's character. But 
this is again a 90 minute movie and it's like the things mm-hmm. that you're asking it to do would have bloated it to two hours and you would have hated it even more so I, I, to me though there's aspects of this movie like i get not liking i get that it, it being um a higher concept or having too little to do with actual goings on in the universe mm-hmm. to like but i think it's hard to watch this movie from start to finish and feel like it doesn't offer a good take on a romance. Like that to me is like, I I just don't get it. Like there's so much, there's so much growth in the, in in his character. There's so much, um, there's so many things that happen that are unique to this movie that I feel like it offers a lot of posterizers, a lot of sizzle reels that, are immediately recognizable to this now that I, I mean, I haven't seen this in so long that I haven't like, it's not a callback to it, but now mm. I do feel like having seen it, I definitely see the influences this had on other PTA movies, other movies in general, but this is a hundred percent the romance, the type of romance movie I gravitate to one that I put in the long lines of maybe it's definitely funnier, but like eternal sunshine and spotless mind where Much you're viewing a a romance through a a different lens on how it affects somebody who's going through it mm-hmm. and you have two different styles of of or two different maybe um times in a relationship those movies are are about like this one being about the beginning of a relationship that can drag you out of a terrible depression that you're in and eternal sunshine being more about like trying to get out of the space that prevents you from recommitting yourself and and all that all those this thing that the the commentary it has about having to correct yourself before you can be available to for anyone else's love um i i i i this is the type of of romance movie that offers layers that intrigue me more than one that just spells it out from start to finish of these two are perfect for each other for the a b and c and Look at how well they're they're flirting like meshes with each other, and, and look at how like all these different obstacles they're able to like to to get through together. Like that's like it's fun. I've seen that a million times. This is original to me. I want more of this. And and I I think to me my my ultimate idea is that this is this is a character study. This isn't a romance. At least at least especially not a rom com. You know, for me, one of the hallmarks of a true romance in in a rom-com is that you see both sides of the of the of the relationship fall in love and that to me is is one of the main reasons why i i cannot see this as a romance is you only see one side of the romance ever like you never see her without anybody without any talking to anybody other than him or his sister like very briefly like and they're not really Mm -hmm. talking about about him like I don't know. In a in a normal romance, you'd have someone else that either person could talk to, or see, whether it's exposition, whether it's narration, doesn't matter. Where you're able to get them to externalize their feelings towards the other mm-hmm. person to help us as the audience. And I think maybe that's the big area is that for me, the this are the artisticness of you, the audience, have to make the logical leap. I'm not going to hold your hand to show you that these two people care about each other or why. I just mm-hmm. need you to believe in it. I, I don't I that logical leap is not one that I make as easily as other logical leaps, because 
if I'm going to care about a relationship or people or characters, like you got to give me something or a reason to do so. And in this case, it just, it never happened for me. So you didn't find yourself rooting for Barry. No. So you didn't, felt, you didn't want him to get over his isolation. You didn't want him to get over his being bullied by his sisters. You didn't want him to get over like getting swindled by the sex worker, even though he was just trying to call for companionship. You don't want him to find a new relationship. You don't want his business to get better. Like, all of those things that we're seeing early on that set him up as like a sad sack, those are the things we're rooting for him to get, or at least me, I'm rooting for him to get better. Like, and the way you get better is by working on yourself. And that's what the, to me, the end, the end um, takeaway from the movie is, is you can't deal with the issues in your life until you gain the confidence to believe in yourself that you can do it. And I, it literally brings that up when he's talking about, how uh, he's so strong because of the power of love or whatever he's talking when he's uh, just about to fight Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah. Like, sure, it's on the nose. Like, those types of things, I could I could be convinced, like, that's not actually happening. That's in his mm-hmm. head. But it's explicit, and it's on the nose to what the movie's telling you. Like, this person's confronting it head on because he now has the confidence of being in love. That's transformed his character. And... Yeah, it's more about the character than it is about the love story. But I equate it to, like, this is them beginning to date. Like, he's not going to get married to her by the end of the movie. It's like, hey, we're a couple now. Which is like, okay, like, the big grand romantic gestures he's done is he's flown out to Hawaii to meet her and pretend it was a business trip. But, like, that's the big romantic gesture that, like, gets things going for her as well. Like, I'm sure we're only seeing it from his perspective, but like, I can, I get why she's also intrigued. And he is like a lovable guy. He's like, in every moment, sure, he has outbursts of anger, but like, he's kind to everybody. He's constantly doing what's best for other people in his life. I think he's a completely, um, like a character that you should, like, as an audience, you should be like rooting for. And like that's the point of the movie. It's like, hey, we want this guy to, you know, get out of this funk. Uh, I, at the same time, though, actions taken are the actions taken of like a lifetime movie villain husband, you know, or or a stalker. You know, I've I've been out on a one date with you, and then I fly out to Hawaii. You know, essentially well, on an to invite. Stalk. She invited him. Okay, I mean, it's one thing to be like, "Hey, you should come over, you know, to a party my weekend." Oh no, I can't. And then just showing up, essentially, like, "Hey, I'm outside the door. Can I come in?" Like, it's what it's it's definitely creepy if it's not invited. But I mean, it's just like this. I mean, it, yeah, I, it's we're, we're running down like we're on a hamster wheel right now. There's nothing that this movie can give you. You're not going to want to poke holes into because you just. You just do something about the vibe of it you don't like. You're put off by everything. It's I mean I can't I, to watch the interaction between Adam Sandler and Paul Thomas and and, uh, and Philip Seymour Hoffman. That is gold. Like the, the end. Uh, the, the, maybe they're only five minutes together, but that is what I would give like an, an it's an or like a entry level 70 to that bumped it up to is it an 80 or above that was it's so memorable it's so good how you don't even like those scenes it, it's it's not that i don't like them it's that they don't they they don't make a movie 
Like that, that could have, like he could have very easily been the Zoolander three enemy. Like, uh, uh, you know, a guy who, who stores people out of, out of a laundry mat. And when you go and see him, he's all bluster and bluster. And then when you actually threaten him, he's like, yeah, yeah okay, fine, whatever. Like, it's not a bad joke. And then him getting his hair done while Sandler shows up, like he's in a Western movie, like, again, not bad jokes, but at that point, I'm going, he's going to kill him. Like he's come to Utah to come <laughs> and hit him with a crowbar. And what, but why, why, but I'm asking you, why, how do you not know that that's not what's happening? But, but what in the, it's just, I don't know what subtext the movie has offered up until that point where you'd feel like this is going to be very, this like, turning axe murder mode. Like he's been nothing but like super kind to any person he's come into contact with other than the four brothers that almost killed him and Lena. And he still didn't knock them all out. He gave the crowbar back to one of the brothers. Like you can get out of here. You're, you're spared. Which again, okay. See, now we get into like, this doesn't make sense for that to actually like, so did like uh, police, all that fun stuff. But like, again, that's where you have to take is, this is not trying to be a real movie, but at the same time, it's, it's does, it, it's got half foot in comedy, half foot in drama where I, I don't, I, I legitimately, I do not know what was going to happen when he just shows up in Utah. Like, why wouldn't he have, you know, hit, hit him? Why wouldn't that yeah. have been the thing that, that, I that think that's the possibility. Sure. Like, but not like he's going to turn into a, like a murderous killer all of a sudden. Like, I, I don't know. It's just, there's no way of like um, really discussing our overall, what's yeah. a posterizer for you as a posterizer for me. Cause we watched different movies. It's like the, the movie I watched, the movie you watched were not the same. Yeah. Very, very, very much. Cause you watched yeah. like a lovable loser and I watched someone who's got mental health issues who, if he had not magically found this girl could, would have in my mind, eventually snapped and hurt somebody. You can't Why? show someone cause you can't show someone destroying a bathroom, like where they can't, they cannot stop themselves. That's impulse. That's a violent but people impulse. People have that. People have that experience where they're, where they have so much rage and anger in them that it bottles mm -hmm. up and they need an outlet. Yeah. And healthy. what and what if there was another person in the bathroom that he didn't know of who who got out and he hit a accidentally? I'm not saying that he's going to come out and and go into a violent berserker and just kill everybody, but that kind of violent impulse I don't think is something that is just going to magically go away and it is something that who never know, who knows maybe she makes a, a joke about a hammer and he goes into the other room I, I, you're laughing but to me the, this is what the movie is telling me is that in multiple times he does have a violent like a very violent reaction yeah. to people and i'm not going to say that they're justifiably making fun of him they are definitely doing it way more than needs to needs to be done but if that's how we were able to react to people essentially kind of somewhat making fun of us and that would be like oh, oh you know you know he just sometimes you know he snaps and goes and breaks a restroom every once in a while like that's not something i'm going to want i, I don't want to see a romance with that as my lead character maybe that that i think is ultimately my issue i get, i mean i guess but like the it's just like you're presented with a character who's got issues. 
Yeah. And like some people have severe issues when it comes to schizophrenia or when it yeah. comes to bipolar and like just because they they can get triggered and they and they they can lose control doesn't make them more apt to like domestic abuse and stuff like that. And like to read that into the movie without that being any sort of explained subplot of his history is you projecting into the movie like things that you have issues with about not explaining in detail why sure. someone's having histories in their past. Like who knows? They they, they didn't explain the trauma. Of why I don't that, need the why trauma to be explained. But what do you? But, I don't know what you want the movie to give you. I mean, the the, the 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 violence happens in romance. Characters can get sure. violent and have temper tantrums. That doesn't mean they're incompatible partners. I mean, there's there's plenty of examples of like action movies where you have characters who are who are reckless and like shooting up people and all of a sudden they, they're back home and like, they're in a believable romance. Like, I don't know. Why does that take you out of his ability to be a, a lead because he's prone to violence when he's, when he gets well, triggered. Sorry. It's not, it's not that I don't want to see that kind of person get romance. Of course I want to see anybody have a fulfilled romantic relationship, but this is not the kind of character who also needs a subplot of being extorted. Like this is someone who I, I want those 15 minutes to give me something to delve into, not why he has a traumatic episode or whatever, but how is this relationship helping him? How is it curing him? Give me a conversation between the two about other than just him saying I did something and her going, Oh, that's cool. I'm okay with that. No follow-up questions. No. Just imagine if you went to your wife and said, yeah, the first date, I violently broke the bathroom. And her just going, eh, that's cool. Like, no follow-up questions. Like, Yeah, but like, that's the type of person, that's the only type of person that would accept him. Is this someone that sees him warts and all and is like, I get that. I see why you did it. That's like you doing those things doesn't mean you're a monster it doesn't mean you're a bad person Agreed. it just means you're going through something and i see past it and it like doesn't that's mean you're the going through <laughs> it does how does that not mean it, it's like it's a symptom of a problem that you need to address that doesn't mean that you are that problem it doesn't Agreed. mean that you are this open wound of trauma that anytime <laughs> someone mentions a hammer you're gonna kill people it means that you have a trauma response that you need to work through. And the movie's not going to give you a two-hour, three-hour, uh, you know, heartfelt expose on what it's like to, to be in love with someone who's got bipolar disorder. No, it's like it's using a standard rom-com structure and giving you an atypical love story uh, of uh, someone who's going through depression of a sort. Who knows exactly what it is, but... That's why I think so many people who like this movie, I think, tend to come from that background of like people don't see who I really am, or they wouldn't love me if they saw my quirks or all the the shit, the, all my baggage and all that kind of stuff. And like, this is a love story of two people that will look at each other's baggages, and we're not seeing hers to a degree that I would have liked. That's the biggest mm -hmm. weak spot to me in the movie. Like, <laughs> I get that being a weak spot, Michael, but to say that it's garbage because it doesn't give enough character to her, that's that's not enough reason to, for it to be garbage. Like, all the other things that you're having issues with, I completely push back on, but her not having enough of a character, I agree. I wish we saw a little bit more of her and her without him, 
so we could see how she's getting some cathartic benefit of the relationship as well. But again, I prefer a clean 90. This movie being a clean 90 is like a game changer rewatchability. I watched it like you have watched it twice now in two days. And I couldn't have done that if this is like a two hour juggernaut of like having to balance your, like your emotions and your humor and like a, and like a, like a super long dramatic rom-com. But this was in a digestible format that I think I didn't, I want more, but I didn't need it. So give me 90 minutes. I'm happy. I, I have no issues with the length of this movie. I and mean, we both agree the length is good. I, I just, no, this, this movie is not for me. It just isn't. It's not, it's right. not going to be one that I will ever desire to put on. If it's on, am I going to actively like tell people they can't watch it in the same room? No, but am I absolutely going to have a phone or some other thing to distract me? Yeah. Cause it's, it, to me, it's just not interesting. There's 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 only a few scenes where they actually, uh, for me, grab my attention. Otherwise, this again, my best my best way of describing it is this should be like an art installation. It's you know, it's got good discussion points. Um, it it has some very good audio design. I think that there's some good visuals. You know, the way that they filmed him like running in a in a square essentially to then be told like where are you running? We know where you live. Yeah. And, like that to me was the most comedic of everything in the movie. And again, it's not played. It's played off where we're watching this man essentially run for his life, but then like oddly dive into the middle of a street, like belly. Like he looked like he belly flopped onto the street, got up and kept running. We just didn't see him keep running yeah. or, you know, whatever. Like it, it's, it's such a weird combination of like a Tom and Jerry, like cartoon escape bit mixed with like, he was act, like, essentially he was actually assaulted. Like the, the difference between this scene and the scene in Boogie Nights, the very similar, you know, People get hit, get hurt uh, you know, uh, um, by people in a truck. Essentially, there's not much difference, and that's to me is like, well, one is is like a, a very different tale than the other, and yet they're using a very similar kind of mechanism. And I, I don't know. I just, yeah. To me, it's it's a it's an overarching tale that just for me, no, no go. Yeah, I mean, I. We've met that nauseum now. I disagree with everything you said there too. I mean, it's just like, <laughs> it's the tone. I think it's like the tone that's like so clearly a comedy. And like when you're watching that, like I'll play this one more scene. Cause it's again, like when I played that sexy talk scene and then you're not seeing that that wasn't psychopath, like killer talk. I'm going to play this scene with like the brothers right after they attack him at the ATM. Let's play that real quick. I have five hundred dollars. That's maximum. That's uh, what I can take out in a day. Okay. This is what you get when you're a pervert. Said you'd help somebody out and you didn't, so we're just gonna take this money back to her, and that's that. Okay. But be so the every time the brothers are brought up, every time they're on screen, like they're silly. They look silly. They don't look like like for real gonna go kill a guy. Like the movie. Sure, if you're reading off like the synopsis of these scenes, like then they send muscle from Utah, four blonde brothers go and attack him by an ATM and try to extort him for money. Like, yeah, that sounds like a Jason Bourne scene, but when they act and they execute it, 
that's not the feeling that you get. The feeling you get is like one of a more like it's tense in the sense of like, how is this going to shake out? Like, is he going to get out of this or are they going to like beat him up? But it's not to a degree of like, is this going to be a movie about a murder that's going to happen right now? Like the, 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 it just feels like you're getting the tone of these scenes, the intent of the scenes. It's like, you're watching them with your own movie in mind instead of like, like watching it play out. I mean, obviously I've, it feels like more people, I don't I, I can't even actually say that. Cause I don't think that this movie is, is watched enough to really be able to say how the average person feels about this. Cause I feel like the average person sees this, the synopsis and probably just doesn't watch it of the people who watch it though. Obviously I think you're in the, you're in the agreement. I think most people who have watched it, obviously we're, we are watching it as an auto bid because it was the highest rated comedy of O2 of o, of o based on our little algorithm. So like, obviously people agree with you, but I will tell you that I come from the camp of this is why this kind of movie is not popular is it, it's not enjoyable to me. It, it is, it is assuming that you are going to take it the exact way that, the artist maybe intended, mm-hmm. or maybe that's the point is they're making it so that you could have it. 10 different people could watch it and all think of something different. And that's the enjoyment that that artist gets out of it. I like artists who they have a specific point of view that they want to get across. And I don't feel that this is what this is. And that I think is a, one of the main things that makes something not, or make something garbage to me is when there isn't a clear point of view being told. And I don't think that that's, I know you're going to argue and that's fine. That's, that's part of why we do this. Yeah. Um, but to me, not clear, the, I, not a clear point of view of what this movie is trying to communicate. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see how this does in a showdown. I don't know if you've had a movie both simultaneously have an O and a G designation, but that'd be interesting to see how it fares in a showdown. But yeah. I think that's probably the next time we'll see punch drunk, see how it matches up against uh, one of your, selections i believe is next is that correct That's right. yes so let me get my little match up here so our next movie that we'll be watching oh man this talk about movies that are going to be very wide ranging in, in their thought process and where people might enjoy them or not enjoy them we're going from this which you know i would say would you call it a black comedy then would you call it what, what kind of what kind of comedy would you label this as dramedy i guess i mean I, it's not i don't think it's anything it's not a dark comedy because like no one isn't it doesn't end up with any like sadness or danger it's just like a drama that is interlaced with comedy to make it more light that's usually black comedy when you take a, a I, I, I view black comedy being a little bit more like, i think the idea that they're taking extortion and trying to make okay, it, comedic, it that, that's where i if you're gonna if you're gonna give it black comedy that's where i or comedy i think that's where it's coming from mainly but um i think it leads with comedy first i think this is a comedy first drama romance uh, i mean i the idea that you can watch this movie and not laugh is wild to me because it's like from top again this is a movie top to bottom i sizzles all over the place i didn't we didn't get into that 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 much but maybe we will when it gets into the category stuff but Mm -hmm. tons of scenes i like tons of full posterizer moments it's just got it all yeah but so this movie will be going against kung pao 
Enter the Fist. So hopefully everyone All can right. find that one somewhere streaming. Um, but uh, it'll be an interesting showdown when we get to those two. Be an interesting one for sure. Um, anything else to bring up before we, we shut her down for this viewing? I think, I think it's only what we're going to be doing that you need to lead off for us. All right. Well, as a reminder, we are the OMGs and we, we will. will.